1: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 149 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as always by the man himself, Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing?
2: I'm good, Joey. Yourself?
1: very good my friend very good let's dive straight into the review part of the show as always let's waste no time we're going to start at a venue in um in mexico actually in the uh the centro de usos multiples in los michos i think it's los mochis actually it was it really started quite well there then kind of fizzled out the uh the spanish doesn't doesn't do me too much justice there um Carlos Cuadras, he actually picked up the vacant WBC Latino bantamweight title. Um, It was also his 37th win. He's got three losses and one draw. It was a technical decision after seven rounds against Ricardo Nunes. Uh, The referee deducted one point from Nunes in the third round and also another point in the sixth round. Cuadras was actually cut over both eyes from head clashes. So um, a technical decision there. I'm guessing probably the cut from the headbutts on Quadras, ended up halting the fight. Um, that's it for Mexico. Moving over now to the Grand Casino in Hinkley, Minnesota, USA. One fight to mention over here, actually. Hassim Rekman Jr., the son of the former heavyweight world champion, he moved to 6-0. He's also a heavyweight by the way. It was a unanimous decision over six rounds against Raymond Ochieng, who now has a record of 26-22 and with three draws. It's a, it's a bit of a shame there, actually, because Ochieng's the kind of guy that either knocks you out or gets knocked out. Not many of his fights go the distance. Hassim Rekman, I believe that is the first time he's gone six rounds, so I actually expect him to probably knock this guy out before six rounds, but he banks the rounds. It's still very much the early learning part of his career. 6-0 and now, like I say. Moving over now to Puerto Rico in the Coliseo Tomas Dones in Fejardo, that was beautiful. <laughs> um, one fight to mention over here: Subriel Matias. He has now moved to eleven and zero, all eleven wins by knockout. He actually knocked out the former Amir Khan bogeyman, Mr. Bradis Prescott, who's now thirty-one and fourteen. It was a TKO in round four for Subriel Matias. He may be one to watch. Like I say, eleven and zero with eleven quick. Um... Moving over now to the big one, actually. It was on BT Sport at Windsor Park, Belfast, Northern Ireland, United Kingdom. Let's start with the undercard quickly. We have Isaac Lowe. He moved to 15 and, oh, he's got three very controversial draws. It was a points win over four rounds against Jose Hernandez, who's now 4-28 and with one draw. Comrade Cummings picked up win number 14. He's got two losses and a draw. It was a win against Nicky Gemman on points over six rounds. Sam Maxwell moved to 9-0. and oh. It was a retirement, actually. His opponent, Chris Truman, retired on his store after three rounds. Um, a good win there for... Mr. Sammy Maxwell. Marco McCulloch moved to 20 wins. He's got four losses. It was a points win over six rounds against Jordan Ellison. Um, Lewis Crocker moved to 7-0. Oh, a points win over six against William Warburton. One of my favourite journeymen. That's his 138th loss. Luke Keeler picked up win number fifteen. It was a points win over eight rounds against Dwayne Grant, who only had a record of two and four with one draw. Like I say, Luke Keeler now fifteen and two with one draw. Stephen Ward beat Steve Collins Jr. for the vacant BUI Celtic light heavyweight title. So that was an eight-round points win there for Stephen Ward. Now eight and zero. Oh. Um, yeah, and now the big, the big main free fights. Let's talk about Ayaz. We're going to start with. Um, with Christopher Rosales against Paddy Barnes, actually, obviously Rosales, the man that, um, you know, that 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 dropped Andrew Selby in the first round of their fight and then went on to lose pretty much everything after that. Um, and then, of course, one of his other losses came on British soil also against Calia Fire. And then one of his other losses, I think, was very early on. It was on points. Um, he, you know, he come to the UK once again, and he won this time, obviously, a KO in the fourth round against our very own, or Ireland's very own Paddy Barnes. But I like Paddy Barnes. When I say our own Paddy Barnes, I'm talking about the fact that he's been on the show before, so, it, you know, he's, he's a part of the Box Hard family now. He was KO'd by a right hook to the body. A little bit of a step too early for, for Paddy Barnes, I asked It was a shame, though, because he dared to be great, of course, but ultimately, um, it just wasn't to be his night.
2: Um, yes, it wasn't his night, but I mean, obviously, it would have been a dream come true for Paddy Barnes to win, obviously, because he's in Belfast, obviously, his home country as well. But with Paddy Barnes, obviously, is his um, sixth fight. I mean, it's still a learning game. He's been in the, he's, I mean, he's been, he's had, he's got a very good amateur background, but I mean, it would have been nice. It would have been nice for Paddy Barnes to win this, but I mean, he'll come back and I think he'll win the world title in the future.
1: Hopefully so. Um, I do like Paddy Barnes. Um, yeah, it, it just. I don't know, it's hard to say, because I think he had the beating of the guy, but the size was such a factor that he just couldn't deal with it. And the fight itself, I mean, Paddy Barnes was, was having to mix it up early on, and that was the wrong tactics, but I don't think he really had a choice. When he got in there, the way that Rosales was putting the pressure on him, I think, you know, he made him fight when he didn't want to. And, you know, that that was just never going to work out well for Paddy Barnes. Obviously, he had a bloodied nose in the very first round, I believe it was. It could have been the second, actually, but very early on. Um, like I say, the size difference, Rosales literally looked about three weight classes bigger than Barnes. He was much stronger. He certainly had more power on the end of his punches, it would seem. Barnes then, in you know, in that fourth round, he landed his own body shot. Um, But then he left his own body wide open for a big right hand. And it it literally landed right in the solar plexus, right in the middle, right on the button of the belly button. And Barnes just went down like he got shot, to be honest. I mean, the bell went literally a couple seconds later. So if Barnes did get up, then he'd have been saved by the bell. He'd have gone straight onto his stall. But he just could not get up to save his life. He really couldn't. But, um, yeah, very sad... Um to 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 see him to see him get knocked out like that. It was a beautiful body shot though. Take nothing away from Rosales. Success finally comes for him in the UK. But yeah, Paddy Barnes is it's kinda hard to to work out what he does now because obviously he's quite an old guy. At that weight, I mean, he he turned pro very late. He was at three Olympics, which is a 12-year cycle. Um, You know, he's turned pro now, obviously, and he wasn't even ranked in the top 15. But, you know, Frank Warren did his magic, and he managed to get him the title shot on some kind of special contract clause. And, um, yeah, the special condition got him the shot, but unfortunately, he just wasn't at the races. I mean, he's got the fantastic amateur career. And obviously he's a much better boxer than this guy, but he just could not deal with the size at all. And he's kind of had to I wanna say he's kinda of had to, you know, go full steam ahead with his pro career, 'cause like like you know, like I say, he turned pro at quite a late age. A little bit like Joe Joyce. He's got to kind of go for it straight away. The only thing is, Joe Joyce has had the learning fights. Paddy Barnes hasn't really fought anybody of note at all just yet, so you know. I don't want to say it's to be expected, but it kind of was because he was the massive underdog in the bookies, Paddy Barnes. But we dared also on the Prediction League, guys, I went with Barnes on points. You actually went with Barnes by knockout. Um, yeah, we were we were very, very far off of that. Um, you know, he was probably winning the fight after four rounds. Well, after three because the fourth didn't actually get completed. Almost did, though. But, um, yeah, I mean... It's a shame because he would have probably won that fourth round as well. But unfortunately, he could not get up at all. So a good win there for Rosales. Take nothing away from him and the listeners. We can't take anything away from them either. They got it right. They went with a Rosales knockout and that is what happened. Moving up the bill once again. Just, just quickly there. Rosales now 28-3. and Paddy Barnes now 5-1. and I'd like to see him in there with Sonny Edwards. That would be a brilliant fight. Also on the bill. Um, let's, let's, let's save, let's save Carl Frampton till last. Let's pay him his dues here. We're going to talk about now Tyson Fury, 27-0 he's moved to here with a points win over 10 rounds against Francesco Pianeta. thirty five 35-5 now with one draw. Um, we all went with Fury by knockout. You said, I think you said it was going to probably be about the 4-4-5th round. I said about... The 8th or ninth, I did say that he was probably brought in to go rounds. And I didn't think it would be early at all. And to be honest, um, as the fight went, it seemed like the knockout just wasn't going to come. And then, you know, in that 10th round, obviously, he survived the round completely fine. And that was it. It went to points. So we all got that one wrong. Um, just, just the fight itself, though. I mean, it was pure dominance from Fury. Um, I've got to be honest, I don't think he really... You know, he really went for it. I don't think he really overexerted himself. And as I said last week, I thought that, you know, Pianetta was brought in here to be quite a durable opponent and take Fury a few rounds. We all predicted a knockout, like I say. Um,. He didn't really seem to tire, in my opinion. Although some people think that he did, but I felt that he probably answered a lot of questions, not just to the you know to the fans, but also to himself in terms of conditioning. He certainly proved himself of having a decent gas tank, and you know even if he's not in the best shape. But he didn't do too much in Southport, which I found. Um, A little bit surprising, to be honest. Um, usually, he likes to really go into Southpaw for long periods in a fight. But this fight, I think the first 10 rounds, he fought in Orthodox. Oh, sorry, not the first 10. It was a 10-rounder. The first 8 rounds, he fought in Orthodox. And then the final 2, he seemed to switch it up in Southpaw. Obviously, um, Pianetta was a Southpaw. So maybe, maybe that was the reason that Fury fought in Orthodox the most. But, um... Yeah, I mean, you know, a a decent win for Fury. Won every single round. I feel like he certainly needed those rounds before, obviously, signing for the fight that he signed. Which we're going to get onto a little bit later when we mention the news. But um, he certainly needed the rounds. And this fight here, um, it was decent. It was decent. I mean, he took a few shots as well. And, to be honest, I'd like to see him probably have one or two more before the fight that we're going to talk about. But... You know the time's not there. He's he's going for it. So um, all the very best to him. But yeah, a dominant win. It just it just wasn't the most captivating fight I've seen. What did you make of it, Ayaz Fury Pianeta? I mean, it was
2: it wasn't the greatest fight. But to be honest, we all knew that Fury was going to win. I personally thought he was going to be an off He's going to do it in style. But I mean, it's good that he went ten runs. The reason why is it's good that he's gone ten runs is because it's that ring rust that he's had for such a long time. We're going to be talking about the big fight that's just been announced, obviously which is the big one. And I think that is going to, that's going to help him advantage. Obviously with Fury, um, he did in the fight, he did look, he looks in good shape, but he still needs to lose a bit more pounds. And obviously I personally think before the big fight, I personally thought he should have fought in April time. And I personally think that he should have one more tune up fight before this big fight. But I think it was a good, I mean, it was a good win for Fury. Well done to him at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, for sure. All the very best to Fury. 27 and 0 now. And, um, Yeah, I mean, he's got his two wins, Uh, you know, it's probably a little bit soon, certainly a lot sooner than what we were all led to believe. Because if you, you know, if you listen to these Eddie Hearn interviews, he said that Fury didn't want to fight any big fights or any challenging fights. He wanted to fight a bunch of bums, basically. And then Fury himself said, you know, it's not all about jumping straight back at the big time. I'm going to probably have four or five fights and then we'll see where I'm at. And you know, he's completely not done that. He's not followed the script and to be honest, can we can we really be surprised? He likes to do things on his own terms and all the very best to him. Um, fingers crossed, man. Certainly, fingers crossed. But yeah, the main event here. We've we've paid Carl Frampton some respect. We've put him last. We've put him as the main event here. It was for his interim WBO world featherweight title. Carl Frampton now has a record of twenty six and one. Luke Jackson sixteen and zero now sixteen and one. He was down in the eighth round, Jackson, and he was TKO'd in the ninth. Um. Frampton was was very, very sharp, but I don't think he really completely went for it either. I think he had a lot left in the gas tank. I think he certainly gave this guy, Luke Jackson, a lot of credit. And he didn't overlook him, even though everybody was literally in Frampton's ear about the, the Warrington fight and this and that. And everyone kind of thought that Frampton would be overlooking this guy. And I think we all kind of thought that. You know, even myself, I thought that Frampton shouldn't really take this guy lightly. And to be honest, you could tell by the performance that he completely didn't. He really did respect Luke Jackson. He completely dominated, though, Frampton. And like I say, when he switched on, he is absolutely quality. And that one night, I think it was his first fight under Jamie Moore, where he really didn't look that good against that guy. I can't remember who it was now, before the Daenerys fight. Um, You know, he, he seemed like he maybe slipped a little bit, but that seemed like he just wasn't... Really at the races mentally. I don't think he, you know, respected that guy too much. I thought that he'd probably gone into the ring thinking he'd already won that fight, but that's a thing of the past now. Um, Yeah, I mean, Luke Jackson, let's be honest. I mean, he he wasn't a world-level fighter. At least he hadn't proved himself to be one at that point. But, yeah, Frampton just made Jackson miss a lot. He was countering him. You know, he was picking his shots nice. He was outclassing Jackson. That's really the open and shut of it. And the way the fight was going, it was pretty clear that Jackson wouldn't be able to survive the distance, even though I don't think Frampton was overexerting himself. But he was just... You know, he just had answers for every single thing that Luke Jackson tried. And he did try, so we're going to give him some credit, Jackson. But in the eighth round, Frampton put Jackson down with a nice body shot um, that, to be honest, Jackson actually did well to recover from. Um, there weren't many seconds left in the round, though, and then in that ninth round, and that of course was the final round. Frampton was really starting to land at will, and after shipping a bit of punishment, Jackson's corner made the tough decision to throw the towel into the ring and halt the bout. A good win for Frampton, I has. Obviously, again, he's got a big fight that we'll talk about, um, you know, in the uh, in the news part of the show a little bit later. But yeah, a decent a decent win there, just before the big one.
2: I mean, obviously, it was a good win. Another good win for Carl Frampton. Obviously, uh, obviously, been trained under Jamie Moore. Now, I mean, it, obviously, Frampton. That's got that big fight. He's always been wanted. He wanted his dream. That he said. I remember watching one of his interviews, and he said, "My dream is to fight at Windsor Park," and he's done that. He's fought an Olympian uh, called Luke Jackson, and I mean, he he done a good he done a good job on him. But the, the big ones that we we're everyone's waiting for, and I think he's going to do it.
1: Okay, interesting, interesting. Let's save that too at the news part to show eyes, but a brilliant, brilliant fight. That Frank Warren's made there two brilliant fights he made he was a he was a brilliant night of announcements actually, but yeah all the very best to Carl Frampton 26 and one you've got him at featherweight you've got Scott Quigg at featherweight you've got Kid Galahad who I think's 24 and oh you've got Lee Selby obviously just moved up but we've you know we've had such a brilliant bunch of fighters I may have even left one or two out but such a brilliant bunch of fighters there all from Britain all at or around featherweight. And it's, it's just a shame, really. I mean, Carl Frampton's obviously fought Quigg. Um, you know, Josh Warrington's fought Selby. No one's really had, you know, more than one fight domestically with, with a top rival. And no one seems to want any part of Kid Galahad. But, yeah, I'd like to see those guys all fight each other. Lee Selby, I think's moved up one or two weight classes. So, I'll count him out of that. Bring somebody else in. But a nice little crop of fighters there. Um... All really with with the same goal of winning a world title, a proper world title. Obviously, Warrington's got one now, but the rest of them all want that. And... It's it's just weird how they've never clashed thus far in their careers, but hopefully after this one that we've you know that we've mentioned there, obviously we're going to talk about it. I may as well just say it. Warrington and and Frampton, it's no secret. But after that fight, hopefully we see the winner defend once again in Britain against one of the other guys that I've mentioned there. But yeah, moving over now to the United States at the Westin Bonaventure Hotel in Los Angeles, California. One interesting fight to mention here: a guy who I mentioned last week, he was an Olympian in the 2016 Rio Olympics. His name is Batir Akmedov. Um, he was 4-0. and He got in there with Ishmael Barroso. Now, like I say, Ishmael Barroso, to take him on in just your fifth fight, you've got some balls, my friend. And Akmedov certainly had to show his balls. He was down in the third round himself, but then he put Barroso down and out in round nine. So, a KO there for Akmedov in the ninth round of a scheduled 12. Ishmael Barroso now 20 wins, 3 losses and 2 draws. Akmedov now 5-0. Certainly showed some courage there, but like I say, Barroso a real danger man. Had this guy down in the third round. Akhmedov showing his balls early on in his career there. A real gut check there. Brilliant win for him. He may go on to do some brilliantly exciting things. Uh, moving over now to another part of the States in the Maryland Live Casino in Maryland, USA. Uh, one fight, or two fights actually to mention. Over here, Michael Fox. He was on our show last week, the six foot four inches tall, um, super lightweight. God knows how he makes the weight. He actually beat. The former world champion DeMarcus Chopchop Corley, who now has a record of 51 and 32 with one draw. A unanimous decision in favor of Michael Fox, now 18 and 0. A very nice guy he is. All the very best to him. Also, top of the build, Demon Nicholson actually moved to 19 and 3 with one draw. He KO'd in six rounds Isaac Rodriguez, who now has a record of 25 and 3. This one was for the WBC United States Super Middleweight title. Coming down to the final bill, I believe. Now, this one happened at the Ocean Resort Casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey, USA. A few fights on the undercard. It was quite stacked, actually. Shakur Stevenson picked up win number eight of eight. It was a unanimous decision over eight rounds. He beat Carlos Ruiz, who now has a record of 16-5 and with two draws. Jason Sosa, the former world champion. Um, the man that lost obviously to Lomachenko in his last loss. He picked up a win here. 21 and 3 with 4 draws. Now a unanimous decision over 8 rounds against Reynaldo Blanco who now has a record of 14 and 5. Uh, Jesse Hart moved to 25 and one—a real impressive knockout. I've actually seen it. It was a third-round TKO against Mike Gavronski, who's now 24 and three with one draw. Gavronski was down twice in that third round, so a brilliant win there for Jesse Hart. He's looking to get back at the top once again and try and challenge for a world title, whether it be a rematch with Ramirez or not. And the top of the bill: Brian By Jennings, 23 and two, now 24 and two. He actually TKO'd Alexander Dimitrenko in 9 rounds. Dimitrenko now 41-4. It was for the IBF International Heavyweight title and the vacant WBO-NABO Heavyweight title. Um, Dimitrenko was really, really up for this fight, actually. Um, he he managed to knock Bryant Jennings down in the fourth round, which is quite shocking, to be honest. And Dimitrenko was down twice in the eighth round and then once in the ninth round where the bout was ended. So a good win there for Bryant Jennings. Another gut check for him. And very surprising, actually, to see him down. Um, you know, when you think about it, he went the distance with, with, with Vladimir Klitschko and Dimitrenko. I mean, I don't rate him too much at all, to be honest. But credit to Dimitrenko, but more credit to Bryant Jennings. Jennings forgetting the win, but that's really it for the reviewing. Just before we wrap up part one, the last thing to do, of course, is to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the new IBF Super Featherweight World Champion. It's, of course, Mr. Tevin Farmer. Tevin, welcome back on the show, champ.
0: How you doing, man? Thanks for having me it's always
1: my pleasure Tevin it truly is so Tevin first things first actually I want to go back in time to last year um, you know we're not going to go into specifics about it obviously but the world knows that you know you ended up being shot in your hand incredibly only four months later you're in the ring fighting for a world title um, you know that was incredible in itself but in the fight in many people's eyes including myself you more than did enough to win that fight and obviously the fight was in America but shockingly when the judges revealed that scorecards you were on the bad end of a split decision and you ended up losing the fight it gets worse obviously your opponent then went on to foul a drugs test at that point Tevin mentally it's a very tough thing to overcome I guess you were probably wondering what on earth you needed to do to win win a world title and how you know you got given such bad luck did it take a while for you to kind of you know get over that whole thing
0: Uh, I would say it took probably like a month yeah
1: Yeah, see, obviously a very unfortunate thing. You know, to, to happen to you there. But, you know, that was all in 2017. I guess it was a bad luck year for you, really. Um, 2018 is where it all changed, of course. You and Billy Dibb finally signed to fight each other. The fight gets made in Billy's backyard of Australia. You travelled out there and fought him for the vacant title. Before the fight, though, um, you tweeted something along the lines, I think it was in Fight Week, you tweeted something along the lines of you were feeling real funny about being in Australia. You said that they were on some. Some slick shit. Did something happen that we don't know about Tevin before the fight? Um,
0: it just, uh, um, something. I mean, it, it let me use my gloves and a lot of other little things. But, um, overall, it was, it was pretty cool. I got the job done, so I'm happy.
1: And the fight itself, though, Tevin, firstly, you surprised me with how sharp you were straight away. You really didn't need any time to warm into the fight. You started very, very well. You were in control for the entire fight, really. You know, your reflexes were on point. Your movement, your slickness, your hand speed were all far superior to that of Billy's. But what was it like from your own perspective? Walk us through the fight if you can, Tevin.
0: Yeah, I feel pretty sharp in the beginning. I think Billy... Made it a little ugly fight, um, the way he was rushing in with his head, elbows, and et cetera, et cetera. But um, I got the job done. I mean, I stayed composed, and I just had to be. I just had to work. I just had to pick my shot, and that's what I did.
1: And, of course, you were able to drop Billy with a left hook in the ninth round. It was a beautiful, beautiful shot. Even though you're a southpaw, you're right-handed, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so, putting a man down like Billy Dib with your left hand in no, his back No, I'm, not, I'm Oh, you're left-handed. Handed. Okay, okay, I got that yeah. wrong. So, so, to put him down with a left hand, though, obviously, you're not noted as a massive puncher. But to go on the road and put a champion down in their backyard is quite a thing. How did that feel? I bet that was pretty good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I actually didn't think he was going to get back up on that. and um, I thought I was going to finish him, but it wasn't enough time in the bell ring. Yeah.
1: Now, Billy didn't try too much boxing. I think, as you said, he tried to walk through your shots and land his own. It didn't really work at all. But he did land one or two good-looking shots during the course of the fight. One or two of them seemed to perhaps trouble you for a second. Were you hurt at any stage at all, Tevin?
0: No, I was never hurt. I mean... He hit me with one shot uh, that was definitely when the referee stepped in. I backed up, but he still swung. That's the shot he hit me with, but um, I don't think no time in the fight where he really landed uh, a, a good shot that really hurt me. Okay.
1: And like I say, congratulations once again on winning the world title, Tevin. On my scorecard, for what it matters, um, you know, I've got to be honest, I had you winning every single round a complete shutout, and to do that away from home, especially that far away from home, is pretty incredible. Even more incredible is that you were right back, you know, right back in the gym on Monday. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I was back in the gym on Monday. Why so fast? No time to let it sink in? Um, I mean, I don't know. That just, I just... It feel like I have to be in the gym. And when I'm not in the gym, it just feel like I'm missing something. So um, it forces me to go back to the gym. That's, that, that's the only thing. That's, that's what I
1: love to do. And another thing that not many people know is that actually on fight week against Billy Dib, you actually celebrated your 28th birthday. Now, I'm guessing being in Australia, you probably didn't celebrate too much, especially with the biggest fight of your life coming up in just a couple of days. But when you got back home, did you manage to do something special?
0: Yeah, I had a I had a victory party, um, in the birthday bash at my club that I own.
1: Ah, I never knew you owned a club. Tell us.
0: <laughs> yeah, I own a um, I own a, a, a club in Philadelphia.
1: Okay, what's the name of it?
0: Um, the name of it is Teasers. Teasers. It's okay. on is on um it's thirty eight West Girard, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Oh, Girard yeah. Avenue, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Well,
1: certainly, if I ever come well, over to that area. 30. If I ever come over to that area, I'd definitely have to hit that place up.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Just let me know when you're coming.
1: <laughs> now, immediately after the fight, Tevin, you made it pretty clear, um, you know, that you were happy to take on the likes of Javonte Davis. Is he the man at the very top of your wish list right now, or are you not really thinking about all that stuff at the moment?
0: I don't, I don't have a wish list. Um, I'm a world champion now, so I'm everybody else's wish list. They, people want to be where I'm at now. That's definitely a fight that... That I, want, though.
1: Okay. I like the way you answered that. It's very true what you said. Is he the guy, I'll put it like this, is he the guy that you want to fight most out of all the rest of the guys in your weight division?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And obviously, Gervonta has shown that his power is real. He can also really box too. You're not known as the biggest puncher, but you know you're certainly a master master boxer. Do you believe that you could comfortably outbox him, or do you believe that you could even make a statement and possibly stop Javante for the first time in his career? I do. I
0: I I, I can do whatever I want. You've I can do whatever I want. Whatever I, whatever I decide to do, that's what I do. And I know. Of, I I know.
1: I know win the fight for sure. You win the fight for sure. Okay. and and, and out of nowhere. Um, Tevin, you seem to now have a little bit of a Twitter beef going on with um, a fighter from over these parts called John O'Carroll. I don't really know where it came out of, but how did that all start?
0: No, that's not a Twitter beef. I told him that I would make him famous, so I, 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 I replied to him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but is that a fight that you you know is that a fight you're interested in, or is it really just a bit of entertainment on social a, media?
0: Who, whoever wants who, to smoke can get it. That's how that's how I'm looking at it. Whoever wants it can get it. Simple
1: want, as that. I want to ask you, Tevin, is there any specific time that's been discussed as to when you'll possibly next be back in the ring?
0: Yep, guaranteed um, this year.
1: Do you know a month just yet, or not? Not at the moment.
0: Um, possibly November possibly November. Okay.
1: And also, I'd like to let our listeners know about what you did the other day, Tevin. You went out in the street with boxes and boxes of food. You were handing out lots and lots of free food to the homeless. It's a beautiful gesture. Um, you know, you've actually gone on to say that you're not just going to do this once. This is something that you want to do um, quite a lot of. Tell us more about your goal in trying to feed the homeless, Tevin. A beautiful thing to do.
0: I mean, there's... That's... I can honestly say it, That's something I always wanted to do. Um, and I always said, when I when I get in a position to do it, I'm going to do it. And I feel like I'm in a position to do it at this moment. So, you know, I, I kept my word to myself and I made it happen.
1: It's a lovely thing to do, I must say. Uh, it, it really is. Um, I also saw you tweet something else Um the other day about um you know because you lost four of your first 12 fights as a professional you hope that you've inspired other boxers who've got a few losses to not give up obviously you know you're only limited to a certain amount of characters on twitter but do you have any kind of more direct message to the fighters out there that could be listening to this that have got a few losses and are perhaps thinking about hanging up the gloves what is your message to those guys to keep going?
0: I mean I, should, I shouldn't have to say much. My story speaks for itself. I think anybody that anybody that's really motivated or anybody that um that want, that wanted bad could just um read about my story or anyone that know my story will already know like if if, 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 if I was in that position like which I was once in my life and i have seen somebody with losses and make it to, make it to a world title. They wouldn't have to say anything to me. I took it upon myself. They're like, damn, if he can do it, I can do it. If they don't have that mindset, then something's wrong.
1: But yeah, I, I just like I say, brilliant for you know for handing out the food, brilliant to to send out a, a touching message like that to a you know to boxers that may be in a hard place at the moment. Um, you've been there and done that, and rise to the top of the world now. So unbelievable stuff. And just yeah. before I let you go, Tevin, um, is there any kind of message that you want to send out to anybody at all? Like, is there any you know is there any closing message or words for for the likes of John O'Carroll, the likes of Javante, anything at all?
0: Uh, I ain't got no work for them. I got work for the fans, man. They just keep supporting me. And um I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep putting on keep doing my thing.
1: Yeah, because I know that when you went out to Australia, even though you know you, you kind of beat the hometown hero, if you like, a lot of Australian fans have really took to you now. So you've got a fan base out there in Australia. You've got a fan base in 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 America, of course, as well, and even in the UK. The you UK. certainly loved. Yeah, that's it. See, you said it. You know it. <laughs> You're loved all yeah, over the place. The now, Yeah, yeah. I think we're
0: right out of your mouth. The UK. Man, the UK love me. Like I like I got a lot of fans and supporters over
1: there. Yeah, you truly do. I, I would definitely
0: like to fight
1: over there one day. Hey, we need you here. We truly do. We really do, Tevin. It'd be a it'd be a brilliant, brilliant thing. But listen, it is always my pleasure speaking with you. It truly is. Keep doing what you're doing, my friend. Congrats once again on becoming a world champion because believe me, it was long, long overdue and we'll certainly catch up sometime soon, Tevin.
0: Absolutely, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate you.
1: Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. I asked what do you have for us this week?
2: Yes, the main the main news is that Deontay Wilder will face Tyson Fury in Las Vegas.
1: Yeah, um, Tyson Fury certainly let it slip out when he was getting in Wilder's face. I mean, that was quite bad. <laughs> um, you know, we knew straight away, even though Frank Warren said that all details are gonna you know gonna be getting announced. He let it slip. It's gonna be in Las Vegas. Um, a little bit surprised, actually, to see Tyson Fury go on the road. Some people saying it's a bit of a cash out. I mean, there's no way in this world that he's going into that fight actually thinking, yeah, this is a cash-out. I'm just going to get my money, get knocked out, and then, you know, retire. That's just not going to happen. He doesn't think like that. He will certainly think he's going to win. And I guess he's probably going over there for the more money, I'm guessing. I mean, that can only be what it is. You've got BT behind him now. I'd imagine that if they used their pulling power, they probably could have done something. But then again, you know, I almost forgot there. Obviously, you've got the champion splits and all the rest of it. So uh the man with the with the uh you know the advantage in the negotiations would have been Deontay Wilder, so he's going on the road to Las Vegas, we're not quite sure of a date yet, we're hearing lots of rumours about November, if that is the case, then that's not too long I think Fury went straight on holiday if I'm not mistaken, after his win so he really needs to get back in the gym and he needs to really, really work out harder than he's been doing in these two comeback fights, because this is such a monster fight, and to be honest, in my honest opinion, I'm the biggest Fury fan out there, aside from um from the Stig, if he's listening in his cab, then um, then he may he may be a bigger Fury fan than me. But for me, I think it's probably a little bit early, and I think it's very risky, but I certainly can't write Titan Fury off. You know, I wrote him off for the Klitschko fight, and the way he dealt with him was unbelievable. The only thing is, in my opinion, Wilder doesn't have much boxing skill, so Fury will be able to outbox him without even using up too much sweat, to be honest. Now, the only thing is, what happens when you frustrate Wilder? Because Wilder, time and time again, has been outboxed, and he hasn't really shown any signs of frustration. He still believes he's going to land that haymaker of a shot that he's got in that right hand, where he can just completely knock you know, knock a building out. And if he lands that, and he always has, every single person he's fought, he's knocked out. Obviously, you know, Stavern went the distance, and then he knocked him out in a rematch. Everyone's been knocked out. Everyone who's fought Deontay Wilder as a professional. So, will he land on Fury... I just can't see Fury as good as he is staying away from that right hand the whole fight but if he does then he wins the fight no question he shuts out Deontay Wilder but it's just a case can he stay away from that big right hand because Deontay Wilder is so unorthodox he's so wild and reckless and he won't care about Fury's shots coming back at him that's another thing you know we saw um you know a great technical boxer in Luis Ortiz do what he did and Wilder had to respect his power he couldn't go gung ho in there and there was a bit of a fear factor that if he went a little bit wild, got a little bit reckless, Lewis Ortiz would land and that is what he did a few times in that fight. Luis Ortiz, he nearly stopped Wilder at one point but Fury doesn't really have that power so I think that Wilder will probably see how his boxing goes but when he realises that he's being outboxed probably after a couple of rounds, then he goes reckless because he won't care about what Fury's throwing back at him and it's just a case. Can Fury... Use his reach and stay on the back foot and just dance around. Can he do that for the 12 rounds? Because if he can, then it's his fight. But if at one point he gets clocked with that right hand, it's night-night Vienna. It seriously is. Um, just quickly, eyes. what's your thoughts on that one before we ramble on too much? Obviously, the fight's not even got a date yet.
2: Um, I think it's a very good fight, which I think Fury may do it. I think Derek Fury can win that fight.
1: Okay, short and sweet from Ayers. I certainly want that to happen for sure. But yeah, the other fight the other fight that you've got for us, Ayers, obviously, they announced it a little bit after that. I kinda gave it away there. Um Warrington, obviously for Warrington's IBF featherweight title once again. Um it's not really I wanna say it's not really been announced as heavily as Fury Wilder. Um Frank Warren said it's pretty much done. I'm not quite sure if everything's you know signed sealed and delivered just yet but a brilliant brilliant fight we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that if and when it happens so um a good fight there i'd, I'd probably well I'd, I'd definitely tip warrington sorry not warrington i'd I'd certainly tip Frampton to win that fight i as i'm guessing you'd probably agree
2: yes i'll agree on that 100% yeah
1: um what else have you got for us, guys? I'm, I'm almost reeling off the news myself.
2: Um, David Price has announced his, um, his next opponent, Sean Turner, in Belfast on October the 5th.
1: Yeah. Um, Box Nation have also bought the rights to that fight. Um, I'm not sure if they need to do that now. They've got a little bit of a partnership going with MTK, if I'm not mistaken. So they've announced, if you like, that they're showing that fight. Do you know what? I... I think that Sean Turner will beat David Price, as sad as it is, because David Price was such a brilliant fighter at one point, and then Tony Thompson just beat him up, and he's never been the same since. And whether you like it or not, you know he was he was pumped with all these certain um, substances that he shouldn't have had, and everyone that's beat Price has pretty much been a drug cheat, past, present, or 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 future. They've been caught afterwards, so um, you know, very very kind of tarnished career David Price has got and it's not really been his own fault these guys have been juicing he's been losing but it has affected his stock it has affected his position it has affected his money and that's just the way it is so he finds himself in there with a well a guy that will certainly come at him because Sean Turner is a brave brave fighter we've seen him go on the road and win and he is absolutely full of confidence there's no way in the world he'll be bothered by anything that David Price you know would say or can do or anything like that he will stand there and fight with him toe to toe if need be obviously all the advantages are with David Price the power the size the you know the reach everything like that is with David Price but will he fold under the pressure I mean, we'll have to wait and see, but I'd probably tip Sean Turner to win. And I tell you what, if Price loses against Turner, it's curtains. It, it's, you know, he's fighting for his career at this point. Um, you know, he's had too many losses now, David Price, all to decent fighters. But if he loses to Sean Turner, who is not a European-level you know, European level fighter or anything like that, if he loses to him, he's a domestic-level fighter. If he loses to him, it's, it's over for David Price. So a must-win for him. All the very best to him. May the best man win.
2: Okay, another news that's come out is that Gary Spike O'Sullivan will face David Lemieux on the Gennady Golovkin versus Sao Canelo Alvarez undercard.
1: Brilliant, brilliant fight. Um, you'd have to say Lemieux probably probably the favourite, even though Spike Sullivan's obviously a massive friend of the show, a great, great guy. Um, you know, David Lemieux has shown on the world level that he's really got that power the way he knocked out curtis stevenson was certainly something um you know you know he was certainly respected a lot by triple g when he fought him you know triple g respected his power so i know he's got real world-class power spike o'sullivan i don't think has got that world-class power but he certainly can bang it's certainly not a points fight it's it's definitely going to end in the distance um, you know, I hope that Spike is the one that lands that shot, but, um, you know, he got completely exposed against Billy Joe Saunders, David Lemieux, and, um, you know, that's just not the way that Spike can box, he can't do stuff like that, so he's going to come and fight him, it's a brilliant, fan-friendly fight, and I'm looking forward to it, but hopefully Spike O'Sullivan gets the job done.
2: Yep, and finally, the last news is that the World Box Super Series will once again do a cruise away Tournament.
1: Yeah, the second season's going to be also at Cruiserweight. No real idea of what's happening yet with Usyk and all his belts. If he vacates them, then there's just going to be loads of guys fighting for vacant titles, so I'm not so happy about that. And if he doesn't vacate them, then there's going to be no belts involved at all. But you bet your nads that... um I'm guessing probably the WBA is gonna throw in a few titles just for the the laugh of it really, to be honest. That's what I call it. The laugh of it. Um if you look at the guys that were involved in the first in the first cruiseweight tournament, which brought us some fantastic fights, but you know, it didn't really take the us audience by storm it did a few things over here in the uk because of the hardcore boxing fans it did the business in eastern europe but to be honest it didn't do anything in america and these other guys that are just under the first eight that went into the original tournament the other guys that are just under that they're even less known so i don't understand why it's happening again at cruiserweight any other division would have been fine why is it happening at cruiserweight in 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 the original cruiserweight tournament, we had Yusick undefeated, Gassiev undefeated, Bradis I think had a loss on his resume. I could be wrong by that. Um, we had what's the what's the Cuban guy's name? Perez. He he was in it. I think he had one loss to Povetkin, but he was a good heavyweight. Um, In in tremendous shape a new you know a new born again um, Cruiserweight in in brilliant brilliant shape. We had an absolute knockout killer in Dorticos. We had an absolute knockout killer in the Russian hammer. What was his name again? Um, What was that guy's name? I had the guy that fought Daltikos and got knocked out Kudryashov that was his name so, yeah, we had, we had some real killers, and loads of them were undefeated. But now, when you look at the guys, if they're not going to use the same eight, then you're looking at a real sorry bunch of names. And no one really knows about them. Even the hardcore of hardcore boxing fans don't know some of these names. Um, I'm not going to reel them off, but you can go and have a look. If, if they're not going to use any of the same eight, then the next eight are absolutely awful. And you've got to bring in people like Steve Cunningham. You've got to bring in people like Jean Pascal, who now fights at Cruiserweight. We don't want to see that. Um, And if they bring in the same guys, then who really wants to see those guys fight again? Aside from, there's one fight I'd like to see out of all the guys involved. I wouldn't mind seeing Breedis take on Gassiev. That's the only fight I wouldn't mind seeing. But aside from that, I don't want to see Kudryashov again. I don't really want to see Dortokos again. In fact, Dortokos was quite fun you know, fun to watch. Maybe him. But aside from that, I don't want to see all the rest of these guys. I'm absolutely devastated that they're doing this. Thankfully, the first time they did this whole World Boxing Super serious thing, there was only two weight classes. Now there's three. So let's just pretend that there's really two, and this is just a bonus. That's the way I've got to look at it to get through this. Cruiserweight. Why, why, why? Nobody knows. Only the sour bros. It is what it is. Is that it for the news? I my rents over on that. <laughs>
2: Yes, that's it for the news.
1: Okay, thank you, Ayaz. Moving over now to the Emirates Arena. It's not the Arsenal Stadium. It's in Glasgow, Scotland, United Kingdom. This is an MTK global show. Um, what do we have on here? What do we have on here? One fight really to mention. Ronnie Clark, 21-4 with two draws. Recently beat Zelfa Barrett, took his O. He's in a 12-rounder against the amateur standout David Oliver-Joyce, who's 7-0. and This one's for Ronnie Clark's IBF European Super Featherweight title a real good fight there for david well for the fans actually but for david oliver joyce this is a real gut check just eight fights in all the very best to both men there ronnie clark you can't really not like him he'll fight anyone he'll turn up with a red ponytail and obviously it's in scotland so he's got that extra push behind him but he's got fans that will travel all over the uk no problem and they won't have to travel far so i'm expecting a big crowd there for ronnie clark um, also on the bill we have Chris Jenkins nineteen and three with one draw, takes on Dara Foley, who's fifteen and two. That one's for the WBA Oceana super lightweight title. We don't usually see that belt contested in in Scotland. Um Yeah, that's that's really it for that one. A good fight there. That's a ten round of that one. Uh that's it for that one. Moving over now to the the Minneapolis Armory in Minnesota, USA. We have Willie Monroe Jr. 22 and 3. He takes on Javier Maciel, who's 33 and 6. I think they were supposed to be getting Vanez Martirosian in 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 a few with a few days' notice for that fight. I'm not quite sure what's gone on there. Uh, Also on this bill, we have Jamal James 23 and one. He takes on Mahonri Montez, who's 35 and 7 with one draw. And we also have on this bill. Um, the, the guest on last week's show Caleb Truax former IBF super middleweight world champion he looks for win number 30 his record 29-4 and four, with 2 draws he takes on Fabiano Penna who's 15-10 and 10, with 1 draw of his 10 losses he's been stopped 9 times so I'm expecting Caleb Truax to get a knockout here also the brother of Gary Russell Jr Antonio Russell his record 11-0 and 0. he takes on Nick Otieno who has a record of 31-4 Fourteen. That should be quite interesting. That's an eight rounder there, and also the I think it's a I think he's Garnet and He's certainly an African fighter. I think he's also an Olympian. His his record's five and zero with five knockouts. His name's Effie Agjagba, and his record, like I say, five and zero with five knockouts. He takes on heavyweight Curtis Harper, thirteen and five. I remember Harper giving a real a decent account of himself to Chris Ariola when he was completely, completely the huge underdog and outsider. And he gave him a real fight. That's a six-round contest there. Um, moving over now to the Grand Hotel, the Kinshasa in the... Democratic Republic of Congo, Ilunga Makabu, the, the the man that got knocked out in Goodison Park by Tony Bellew, his record twenty one and two. He takes on Taylor Mabika, who's nineteen and two with one draw. That one's for the WBC International Cruiserweight Title. Moving over now to the Gila River Arena in Glendale, Arizona, USA. We have two fights to mention on this bill. Two main fights here. This card obviously shown on ESPN in the states and all. Also on Box Nation in the UK, we have top of the bill Raimundo Beltram, 35 and 7, with one draw. Friend of the show, he defends his WBO world lightweight title against the former world champion himself, Jose Pedraza. No one's really seen him since he got knocked out by Javante Davis that night. I think it was back in January of 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's that's going off the top of my head there, but Jose Pedraza a real good fighter, a man that I think at the time we actually tipped to beat um, to beat Javante Davis, but yeah, he, you know he came up short there, he got absolutely outclassed and beaten up, and now he's back in there with Raimundo Beltran, a real, real, real good fighter, and I'm actually tipping Jose Pedraza to get the win here. Uh, We haven't gone to the predictions, but I think he wins that fight, even though I hope Beltran wins, because he's a friend of the show. 12-round contest, of course, there. And also, we have another friend of the show, Isaac Dogbay. He puts his WBO World Super Bantamweight title on the line. His record, 19-0, is his first defense after beating Jesse Magdaleno back in Philadelphia earlier this year. He takes on Hidenori Otaki, who has a record of 31-2 with three draws. A good fight there. Isaac dog bum, expecting to probably actually stop this guy very 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 brilliant fighter to watch isaac Dogbay. very exciting style and certainly um a very fan friendly fighter obviously you know fighting under top ranks banner here brilliant little card that one and that's really it um there's one where well, there's one one other thing to mention actually it's happening next tuesday on the 28th of august obviously um at the moment it's a fight that we're Previewing, but we'll talk about the result on next week's show. It's happening in a place called Nakhon Sawan in Thailand, and we have Chefon Moonsri. I think he's got a couple of other names, but the main thing is he's the WBC World Minimum Weight Champion. His record, 50 and 0, baby, it is tied with Floyd Mayweather's record. If he wins and he beats Pedro Tajuram, whose record's 12 and 1, if he wins this Moonsri, he moves to 51 and I I want him to retire if that happens. He needs to walk away from the sport, having beaten Mayweather's record by one, and he can retire. I don't want to see him lose anytime soon, but all the very best to on Von Moonsri. Please move to 51-0. Please better Floyd Mayweather's record. It will do us all a massive, massive favor. All the very best to Chef on Moonsri. Please get to 51-0 and 0 on Tuesday, the 28th of August, next Tuesday, after this weekend, obviously. We'll talk about the result of next week's show, but that really wraps up the previewing. Just before we wrap up part two, the last thing to do, of course, is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated, high-flying, lightweight prospect, Mr. Devin Haney. Devin, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure. It truly is. So Devin, firstly, it's an honor to have you on the show. You're undoubtedly one of the, you know, the most promising prospects in world boxing. Really, whenever you're fighting, I always make sure that my listeners know about it. But my first real question is, of course, you started boxing at twelve. Um, how did it all begin for you, Devin? Why did you take up boxing in the beginning? Um, I
3: actually started boxing when I was seven. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I, I was having a lot of, I was getting into a lot of trouble at school. Um, you know even outside of school, um, I always like to fight. Uh, so I was playing pretty much everywhere. And um, you know, one day my dad took me to the because he said you know, if you want to fight. I took you to the gym and you get beat up. And every time every time you um fight I'm gonna keep bringing you back, I'm keep bringing you back.
1: So of course you had an excellent amateur career. Am I right when I say that your amateur record was something like hundred and thirty wins to just seven losses?
3: Eight losses. Eight losses. Wow, that really mm-hmm.
1: that really is amazing. Now, obviously, there's an undefeated fighter at the moment with Golden Boy by the name of Ryan Garcia, a man that you know seems to be very popular amongst the ladies. But you know, he's a, he's another promising prospect like yourself. Am I right in saying that you beat this guy twice in the amateurs? Both wins were pretty much shutout wins.
3: Uh, I actually beat him three times, and um, uh, we fought six times. He beat me three times. I beat him three times. You know, he beat me when I was when we were younger. And uh, I, I beat him as as we got
1: older. And you got the wins in like the bigger competitions, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, yes,
3: okay. yes. Okay, okay.
1: So as a professional, of course, at the moment, you've you've compiled a record of 19-0, a perfect record, 13 of those wins inside the distance. You've you've picked up the WBC Youth World title. You've also picked up the USBA Lightweight title in your last fight. In that last fight against Mason Menard, you know, you made him quit on his stall. And in many ways, making somebody quit is even better than knocking them out. Obviously, Menard's only other recent loss was to the current world champion, Ray Beltran. You must have been very Happy with your performance that night?
3: Oh yes, Um, you know I, uh, I felt like uh, I, I won in the ring. You know I, I did everything that I needed to, needed to do. Uh, I stuck to the game plan, and um, overall I got the win.
1: And like I say, you've you've got that style where you know I saw your hands down there. You were you were coming at him in lots of different angles. It almost looked a little bit Prince and the seam like um, you know fantastic performance mm-hmm. there. Obviously, you'll be fighting next Thank on. <laughs> you'll be fighting next on on the 28th of september in california but when i looked to see who's promoting the show i saw that it's you promoting the show you're a promoter now tell us about this you're only 19 it's crazy yes
3: uh, I'm, I'm i'm very happy you know i set the the, the bar high I set the record you know um as the youngest promoter and uh, i'm happy to be you know promoting my first show
1: Yeah, real
3: cool stuff there. You'll
1: be taking on a man called Juan Carlos Burgos, who is a very big step up, actually. Obviously, he's a three-time world title challenger. He's been a pro for almost 14 years. You actually had just turned six years of age when he turned pro, which is quite unbelievable. You you probably never thought about boxing at that point, but one other fact is that this guy turned pro on December the tenth. You turned pro on December the eleventh. Obviously, in different years, but I like to pull my facts out when I can. What do you know about this guy, Devin? Do you know much else
3: about him? Um, you know, I, I know that he when he fought Mikey Garcia, he he put up a, a great fight. You know, it was a competitive fight. Yeah. Um, I feel like he like like he hurt Mikey uh, a few times in the fight. You know, so uh, it's it's a very big step up for me, and uh, I look forward to. It. I I know it's going to be a, a, a great fight.
1: And this guy has never been stopped on his three world title challenges. Um, you know, he got a split draw against Roman Martinez. He lost on points in Japan to Hazuni Hasegawa. And then in 2014, like you said, he lost on points to Mikey Garcia in a decent fight, actually. Not too many people managed to go the distance with Mikey Garcia. So this certainly is a huge step up for you. Um, will you be looking to make a statement, Devin, at this part of your career? Do you go into fights, you know, trying to do something that, other oh, people haven't done. Yes, some yes, of,
3: of, of course. You know, every fight that I go in, I'm always trying to, you know, out outdo everybody. You know, um, I'm I'm going in there to, you know, show the world that I that I'm a contender, and I'm uh, I'm I'm up there with the top guys that I that I can compete and beat and beat the top guys.
1: And I want to ask you also, Devin, who are you training with now? I know that for a while you were you were involved with Floyd Mayweather Sr. Who are you training with now?
3: Oh, uh, right now I'm just working with my dad. Are you the
1: only guy that your father trains? Yeah.
3: Yes, yes, I'm the only guy. And you know, my I... My dad has always been, you know, working with me ever since I was little. You know, he's been behind the scenes. You know, right now he's um, he's my main trainer. Oh,
1: brilliant! How's that going? Very well.
3: Oh, it's, it's, it's going great. Excellent, excellent.
1: Now. Again, you, you seem to have had a couple of little feuds with other boxers and, you know, y- there's there's one that everybody's seen on, on Twitter you've had back and forth with the likes of Shakur Stevenson. I wanted to ask you, are you guys cool now or, or, or perhaps not? What actually happened for, for all this to, you know, begin?
3: You know, uh, I wish him, you know, nothing but uh, success, you know. Keep winning, you know, and um, nothing more but success. You know, I, I don't have a problem with, with, with him or anything, you know. Um, you know, he's a, a young, successful, you know, African American boxer, you know, and uh I have no problem with him. Okay.
1: And also I wanna get your get your take on this and um you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to, Devin. But this is a, a a rumor that I've heard before. I've heard that you you had a lot of success in sparring with 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 an ex world champion or a current world champion now in Javante Davis. Is there any truth in 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 the rumors that we've heard over here in the UK about you two sparring session, or can you not say?
3: Oh, you know, me and we we uh we had a, um sessions, you know, some very competitive sparring sessions and. You know, um, yeah, that's all we have to say about that. Okay,
1: okay, and and coming down to the last couple of questions, Devin, I like to ask this question to everybody that I speak to from overseas. Um, do you have a favorite UK fighter? You know, the the UK fans like to know this. Are you interested in UK boxing? Who do you like right now, or perhaps somebody from you know from history? Who do you like? Um, I like
3: um, Josh Kelly. Oh, um, okay. I like the. I like the guy who's fighting, um who's getting ready to fight Nonito. What's his name again?
1: Nonito, Nonito. Ryan Burnett.
3: Ryan Burnett, I like him a lot too. Do
1: you know what? Those are two guys that I uh, probably Sorry, go on, I don't mean to cut you off. Continue. No, 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 go ahead no i was going to say those two guys that you mentioned there i'm actually quite surprised that you named them because um not many people would have seen those guys you know on the tv over in the states they they don't really have the biggest profiles just yet they're still you know kind of learning on the job i guess especially josh kelly i'm i'm impressed to hear you say that what you know what what about these fighters tickles your fancy what do you like about these guys no.
3: You know those guys are are um, the the come up like me. You know they're they're not real big, but you know they're they're on the come up, and uh, I, I like their boxing skills. You know I, I think they have a lot of you know natural ability uh, uh, and uh, great boxing skills. You know so I'm I'm fan I'm fan I'm a fan of those guys.
1: And lastly, Devin, before we let you go, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to send out a message to your supporters here in the UK. Like I say, every chance I get, I'm always talking about how much potential you've got. Not just myself. A lot of people in the UK, you know, they're they're big on you. You've got a lot of fans out here. What is your message to your supporters overseas?
3: You know, uh, keep keep supporting me. You know, uh, I get so much love from the UK. You know, I I, I appreciate you guys. You know, I I look forward to fighting there sometime uh, in the near future.
1: Absolutely. And where can people follow you on on social media, Devin, if they aren't already following?
3: Instagram, Twitter, uh, uh, RealDevahaney, Facebook, Devahaney.
1: Excellent, excellent. Okay, listen, Devin, well, it truly has been my pleasure having you on this week's show. It's always great to speak to a prospect, and you're certainly one of the most promising in world boxing. Best of luck for the 28th of September, and we'll certainly catch up sometime after.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you very much
1: okay and this wraps up episode 149 of the Boxer Podcast I've been your host Joey Coastman I, as Sumra has been I, as Sumra a massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show Tevin and Devin Tevin apparently is now fighting James Tennyson on October the 20th in the States the prediction league currently stands at myself on 50 points I, as on 53 and the listeners have now pulled ahead to 55 with two correct predictions on the weekend so that has put you guys, the listeners, in front of Ayaz and also in front of the whole race. Congratulations on that. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's show. Enjoy your weekends, people, and we shall catch you all again next week.